Well, what is up, everybody? It's Trevor DeVage. I'm sitting here with my man, Dylan Mitchell. And we got a guest today because, uh, well, it's our podcast. We can do what we want. We've got a guest. Um, it is our man, Saul, who's on staff with us here, um, or Saul, um, as the, uh, <laughs> the very non-Hispanic folks would call you. Um, right. I can't call you Saul. I've tried. It just doesn't sound right to me. Yeah, I can't do it either. It, it just sounds... I don't know. It sounds like somebody from Britain trying to be like real American, like, Hey Saul, <laughs> you know, like that's what it sounds like. Uh, Saul sounds so more, so much more exotic. Um, so Saul, uh, tell us, tell us what you do. Um, what your role is. I, I know it's a lot more than what you're going to say, but yeah, why don't you tell it, tell us about yourself. Well, good morning, everyone. My, um, you said my name is Saul. Mm-hmm. So that's correct. I see. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And, uh, my role here at Pentano is, uh, oversee facilities. I oversee uh, security, uh, the cafe ministry as well. Um, and I also um, lead the bilingual ministry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A really good bilingual ministry. Yes. Good bilingual ministry. And, I, and I've got, I've got, I'm not going to lie, I've got a little bias towards the bilingual ministry because mm. uh, my daughter, since she's been in town, is putting her biliteracy certificate that she got in high school to, uh, to work and has been leading some worship over there. She led this last weekend. Yes. And, um, I don't know if she does good or not. Like Norma keeps telling me she does, but I, your wife, but yes, <laughs> um, you know, she posted like 10 minutes of her singing yesterday. So I'm like, eh, it was all right. She did. All right. You know, uh, actually the feedback was really good. Oh, that's she good. She did really good yesterday. And also uh, Norma and her held a conversation in Spanish. Oh yeah, man. Like that. Ella's, I, I took five years of Spanish. Like it takes me a while to pick it back up. Um, but every once in a while I'm like, Hey, what'd they just say? She's, <laughs> she's like, well, give me a minute, dad. I'm like, no, we tell me now. Tell me now. Yeah. You you got this dang biliteracy certificate. Tell me what they said. And she's like, Dad, it's not my first language. I'm like, okay, well, Saul speaks English. It ain't his first language. And uh, <laughs> now he's he's pretty quick to tell me what somebody said. I'm just saying. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so Saul does a lot around here, um, but more than uh, like I want people to understand. Like when he says facilities, he says security. Um, that's not just a job. That's actually a ministry here, mm-hmm. um, and. What I love about your heartbeat for um, for what we do and what we're about, um, this podcast is called The Make, and we talk about going from Sunday taking to everyday making, yes. and how do we go from like consuming church to actually taking what God is giving us and making disciples every other day of the week, not just the hour we're here on Sundays. Uh, so tell me your like your philosophy of making disciples, like inside of facilities, inside a security team, not. Like, obviously, in, in Revive, which is our, our bilingual uh, service here, um, you're making disciples in there because you're the, you're the pastor, you're the preacher of Revive. Mm-hmm. Um, but how does that play into, like, facilities for you? How does that play into security for you? How, how does that play into when you go into your neighborhood outside of here? Like, tell people what that means for you to be an everyday maker. Well, for me, it's just being available in the time um, and looking for the opportunity just to be the light to people. Yeah. You know, uh, being in our neighborhood, you know, uh, some people know we're pastors. Um, Norma uh, does a great thing. She makes salsa. Oh, bro. And she just passes out that. Oh, okay, hold on. Time <laughs> out. Time out. Because you brought me a couple weeks ago, green salsa, red salsa. Yes. And I like hot. And, bro, I was sweating. <laughs> I got rid of any diseases in my body. Like, it eradicated me. Like, she should call that stuff, like, the exorcist. Um <laughs> It was so good. Um, Why aren't we having that 
right now, like this morning. Because we don't have salsa time on our show. We have coffee time. <laughs> right. But like, I feel like we could make an exception because I'm curious now. Oh, bro. It's <laughs> it's next time you're on. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he'll be on again because so. yeah. I mean, he's going to be preaching again. So, yeah. um, but so your neighbors know, I mean, you got the ministry of salsa um, and we're not talking about <laughs> dancing. We're talking about actual salsa. I mean, maybe dancing too. Yeah. I, I mean, so looks like he's got some moves, so you never know. <laughs> Um, but what else? How, how are you taking that? Well, there's just opportunities of just connection. Yeah. You know, looking for those opportunities to connect with someone, see where they're at. And I think that's the biggest piece is a lot of people, um, they're in a situation or a circumstance that, you know, they can't even get out themselves. Yeah. And that's the beginning of just connecting, seeing where they're at, seeing how you can come alongside someone. I think it's just a big thing. Yeah. You know, and that plays out in a, any aspect, any area of ministry or even outside of ministry. Yeah. Just connecting people. Yeah. So you said yesterday, like, before you had this moment with Jesus, um, you didn't like people. Mm. Um, so how do you, like, I, I know the church answer <laughs> that, that you're going to want to give. I'm going to steer you clear of that for a minute. Okay. How do you go from, because I, I know I know how people are going to hear that, because how do you go from someone that doesn't really like people to God transforms you, which I know that that's how, but but how mentally do you shift to go, I don't like people to now I, I want to do people. anything I can for people like that to me in my head, I'm like, that's a hard leap to make. Even if you know, God's calling you to that and you want to be like God, you want to be like Jesus, like to make that leap from, I don't like people to now I'm going to do anything I can to serve people. Like I can't picture you not liking people. Mm. Dylan, I, I don't know if you can picture that. No, uh, I mean, I, this is actually Saul's probably the first guy on our staff that just genuinely was like, love you, here to serve you. No, I felt the same way whenever I came on staff. And I'm like, I can't even picture you not liking people. I'm like, <laughs> like I picture me not liking people. I'm like, because sometimes people are people, you know. But I've never seen you not want to love people. Yeah. So how do you make, and I know, don't don't give me, I know you want to give the Jesus answer right here. That's, <laughs> that's fine. Um, we all will acknowledge Jesus is the change in that. But how do you mentally shift yourself there? Well, I think it's first recognizing why I didn't like people. You know, and for me, I didn't like people because people hurt me. Yeah. You know, and I had walls and barriers that kind of limited me from connecting with people. I wanted to isolate as much as I could away from people. And I think, you know, people just reminded me that they can just hurt me whenever they felt like it or whenever it happened. And I yeah. think that's what drew me away from actually liking people because I knew that behind those connections in a previous life before Jesus, <laughs> um, you know, it was painful. To yeah. try to make relationships, it was always about competition, who was better, you know, and that just brought a lot of discouragement to me. Yeah. Well, and so now you, it was more of your own issue than it was then with people, other people. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which I think is key for people to understand because I think a lot of times we have these barriers and we think, well, if you weren't this way, then I could be a better person. Mm -hmm. If you, if my spouse wasn't this way, I could be a better person. If these right. guys I work with weren't this way. Um, the reality is, th the problem is you're putting the onus on everybody else. Yes. It is not their issue. It's yours. It, it, is. It, it is yours to work out with Jesus. So I love yesterday you talk about like laying down life mm -hmm. to elevate others. Like you can't elevate others while standing on top of other people. No, you can't. You know, um, yeah. the old adage of um, climbing the ladder to the top and whoever you got to step on to get there. Well, that's why the top gets really lonely really quick because you look down and you got a carnage of bodies you've walked over to get there yes. and you're standing on a pile of people. Um, but when you lay down, mm. you actually let other, ever, other people get elevated, which yes. I is a very biblical thing to do. Yeah. Um, 
Dylan, what do you got, man? Like, I'm we're just sitting here having a two man conversation. You just sitting over here hanging hey, out. I'm listening and taking notes. So, um, and that that's really what I did yesterday, just driving home because um, one of the really cool things that I get to do that that has recently been given to me is I get to sit in on our our run throughs when when the teacher over the weekend does his run through I or her run through I get to sit there and and take notes and be part of the that feedback team which is really cool and so I sit there and I listen but I'm sitting there from like an analytical like point so like how how does this translate to communications what does this look like online and and so it's really more like I'm working right and so every week I I also try to make it a point to just go to church because that was a really big thing for me in in taking this position with Pantano is I wanted to make sure that me and my wife got to go to church together and that's what we did as best as we could yesterday. Uh, I was telling Trevor and Saul before we started recording, um, yesterday me and my family were driving back from Riverside, California, where we went to visit some other family. And so I've got my AirPods in listening to it. And then they're like, what are you listening to? And I'm like, well, I'm listening to the message. And they're like, well, let's listen to it together. And so we all kind of listened to it together. And just, I don't know, like you have such a special way of communicating to our people, a, a way that it, like, I think all of our communicators do a very good job of connecting on a personal level but there's something special about and I can't put my finger on it um but there's there's something very special about whenever you you teach um, it's the accent <laughs> <laughs> it feels it feels deeper yeah. it's the accent um I tried to say uh cheap instead of cheap you know? uh, first hour you did you did catch yourself and said sheeps and I laughed so hard and then you ca- then you caught it and corrected it and I was like oh he said sheeps Bilingual thing. That's such a bummer. I watched the second hour. Yeah, first first hour is fun. I I saw it. I was like, oh, he said sheeps. That's funny. (laughs) Nowhere in my notes did it say sheeps, and I said it. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I I read it in a completely different language. I read it plural. I read it with an S. That's too bad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's got dad jokes, and he's not even there Not a dad yet. Not a dad yet. I don't know, man. I I think it's really cool. Um, In this series, we've talked about it as we've been going through Jesus's. This is such a cool um, series to go through as a church. Like like so many churches that I've been a part of or that I've observed have gone through a series similar to Jesus's, but I love the approach that we're taking to it. Um, and just you continuing on in that series, um, it was it was so cool to hear just your story. Yeah, yes. yeah, I would agree. Uh, it was, it's a powerful story, I, and that's what I think people need to understand is that if you're going to make disciples, you don't have to have like a theology degree. Yeah. You don't have to have you know, book knowledge. In fact, I would tell you some of the most ineffective people I know in the church are those that think they want more knowledge um, for the sake of knowledge. Um, what you really need is just to share your story because nobody can argue your story. Man. It happened yeah. to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't be like, well, that's, that's stupid. That didn't happen. You're like, <laughs> well, yeah, we can sit here and debate theology right. a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a degree in theology. Yeah, me too. Like, like we can debate theology, but I can't debate your story. Or I would yeah. be I would be dumb if I tried well, to. Well, I mean, you can, but then you, it's just dumb to debate because you you share your story. You're vulnerable. I either have to accept your story or refute your story, but you know that yeah. it's your story. Right. Like you've been transformed. Mm-hmm. Like you went from hating people to loving people. Yes. Like that's there's something there. Yeah. It, whether I agree with what you believe theologically, at the end of the day, I cannot refute your story. I can't go now. If I knew you before and I know you after, it becomes even stronger. Mm. 
It's like a Saul to Paul convert. <laughs> Saul, Saul. <laughs> I see We're changing his name. Uh, I did, I didn't, now you're Paul. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that. Uh, but it's literally a Saul to Paul conversion story of here's a guy persecuting people that doesn't like people, yes. um, thinking he's doing the right thing, to turning into the guy that would single-handedly change the course of Christendom through Christ. Um, and, and so it, it's... It's hard to refute someone's story. So if you want to go from like a Sunday taker to an everyday maker, just share your story with people. Yes. Like that's all I do all day, every day. When I'm meeting people that are far from God, um, all I'm doing is sharing my story. Like how did, how do you do what you do? Well, I don't really know because I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Um, but the reality is, is that if you find the connecting point, story is always the connecting point. It's always a connecting oh, yeah. point. You know what's what's really interesting, and this is like directly tied to story, at least for me. Um, before I, I moved to Arizona, I had gone through a pretty traumatic breakup, and I didn't want like I had people trying to give me advice and like this is how you should cope, and this is how you. And like I didn't want to listen to the practical advice. Instead, I wanted to sit with my with my mom or my dad or my best friend, and just they told me stories, Either, whether it was a story about you know a similar event or just a story about like that was somewhat related to it, like the stories comforted me and I took more from the stories and just sitting with people in their moments because they were sharing their vulnerable stories with me right. because they knew that that's what I needed. And I wish, I wish more people would say like, yes, there is a time and a place for textbook knowledge, but there is, I would argue more of a time and more of a place for just being vulnerable and sharing stories. Well, if you really read scripture, scripture is not as much a theological journey as it is the story of humanity. Mm-hmm. There's, there's actually an introduction, there's an arc, there's, there's protagonists, there like, and it's, it's real, but it, it takes you on this journey. If you read scripture, if you just put it in compartments, it doesn't make sense because it's a narrative and you're living a narrative and we all have a start date and an end date, but there's that dash that's on every tombstone. And that dash is the, the story that's between those numbers Yeah, and uh, your story there, there's a story between every dash on every tombstone in every graveyard um, that that's the time you have to create the story that God has called you to be in. Mm. And it's really not very long. It's short. James just, like, says, just like that dash, it's yeah, short. James says it's a mist. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Like, um, it, But what is the impact of that, that moment? And in your story, nobody else has lived your story. And so if you're going to make disciples, go from taking on Sunday to making on Monday through Saturday, um, and I could argue on Sunday too, um, then then all you have to do is help people enter into their story with your story. Yes. I just believe it's a collision of stories is where we find redemption yes. and colliding it with the story of God. Yeah. You know, um, what else you got, Dylan? Because I can just sit here and talk about this stuff all day. Oh, and I could too, because I, I want to go even deeper. Like one thing you said towards the beginning of this was being an everyday maker is really just being available. And so like we know what that can look like, at least us in this room know what that can look like for you in your role during the week here at Pantano. But like if you were talking to a CEO of a business, like what, like, and they said, how do I, how do I do this? Like, how would you walk them through that? Well, there's a, just several things, you know, I always key in on where they're at in life um, and just ask them, you know, if they have any needs and based on how we can support them and love on them, I think would be a lot easier to connect them to Jesus. Mm. And I think that's been key for us is we don't have all the answers. We don't know exactly how this is going to play out, but we have the faith that Jesus has taken us to that opportunity. And as we sit, rest and wait 
and uh, see what God has for them, then we're able to shepherd them right in. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, and people don't may not know your background so well, but you didn't you haven't been in church world work in your whole life. I volunteered uh, since I think, but my son's twenty one. For twenty one years, I've been volunteering as a as a leader in church. So, okay. so what was your job before you were working in the church? Working in retail. Yeah, so my first job out of high school, and that's where I was. Said the guy who life. didn't like people. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I know why you didn't like people. Yeah. You worked in retail, yeah. man. Like uh, <laughs> I was forced to say, "How are you doing?" Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then have a good day. And have a good day. Even if you uh, didn't want to say, "Have a good even day." Even though you didn't treat me right. So yeah. you you worked for Fries, correct? <laughs> yes. Um, and what was your role there? I I went up from a grocery manager to assistant manager, and then I um, was a store manager at the end. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you, I'm guessing in your journey, though while you were working in the professional sector of life, um, there was moments to make disciples in those moments. Yes. Uh, there had to be a choice. Um, you know, I talked about the fork in the road. You know, I was living life for myself, doing everything I could. I was successful, uh, but I was stepping on a lot of people when I was younger. I was 18 years old when I was handing a leadership opportunity for Fry's. Mm. Yeah. And I damaged a lot of people's livelihood. And what I say by that, I was arrogant at the time. Um, and I can go on and on, but, you know, the thing is, now that I think back about it, I was like, man, I had no business being a leader at 18 years old. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and being a leader at 18 years old with nobody to speak into what it really means to be. Yeah. You know, if you'd had somebody speaking into you from 14, 15, 16 yeah. to yeah. get you there. Yeah. But uh, that's, I, I've, and maybe it's just as I'm now not as young as I think I am. Um, but you know, stepping into the lead pastor role here versus the last place I was. Um, it's just amazing what perspective and hindsight does to your next level of leadership in the next phase. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but what I know about you, Saul, is that once you, once you learned in your own heart that God had called you to something more, because I'm thinking about the guy that's listening to this or the, the lady that's listening to this, that's working as a CEO, that's working as a manager, mm. that's working in retail. Um, like there's a fine balance, I think, that sometimes we as Christians walk in our professional lives because, well, we, we don't want to say something to be offensive or we don't want to force our faith on somebody. What would you tell the individual that's in that leadership capacity right now to go, hey, this is how you make disciples in your workplace? For me, I think the shift was, you know, when I really thought of, okay, what did I really want? I felt like there was a shifting point to where, you know, there was a moment in my season, in my journey, where I wanted to be successful, but I realized I couldn't get there on my own. Yeah. And I realized that I needed people, you know, in order to accomplish, you know, more and greater things within the workplace. But when it shifted was when I realized that it wasn't all about me. Yeah. It was about others as well, that I was placed and given the opportunity in a leadership role to make an impact on others. Yeah. That's when it shifted for me. Well, and I think it's sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you treat the people that are in your care. Yes. Um, so if you talk about good shepherd, um, if you're leading people in your business, um, you have a responsibility to shepherd those people. You either shepherd them like Jesus or you shepherd them like the world. Yes. Um, and if you're a Christ follower, the easiest way to be an everyday maker is just shepherd people really well. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't have to browbeat them with the gospel. You don't right. have to throw, like every morning you don't have to be like, I got a Biblical text for you. Well, okay. I mean, that works sometimes. Um, but I think more so is just helping people understand the hope that they have yeah. and speaking life into them. Yeah, a lot of people would actually get off car, 
caught off guard as soon as, you know, they would, uh, it would come like rush time in the deli. Uh, they would see me as a store manager going back there and helping them, you know, through that rush and being with them, you know, that would release tensions and anxieties is being present and available is something that I mentioned earlier, but just being present and assisting and being with them, yeah. you know, when, you know, that, that rush is going on at work or whatever's happening. And when they saw me fried chicken, you would see them, their jaws would just drop. Or if I would go to the meat department, I'd wrap some meat for them or do whatever I could to assist them and be with them. I mean, yeah. it made the total difference. They knew I, I wasn't about just telling them what to do, but I was there to help them as well. Well, and that's just it. Where you, where you look to bring value to people versus devaluing them. Yes. And, you know, we, we've talked about this around here. Like when I, the last six months I've been here and now I'm being here full time the last, last six or eight weeks. Um, I've had a lot of, you guys have heard me say this to our staff. Like everyone kept saying, we're here to make you successful. I'm like, stop saying that to me. Um, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I'd have been like, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I need that. Um, God's already made me more successful than I should be. Um, this phase of my life, if I really want to make disciples is how do I make everybody around me successful? Um, you know, for me to, to have somebody say, oh, great sermon, or you did this, like I I did nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like this team, the people, the volunteers. So I loved like this weekend, I got to walk around. I didn't have any responsibility this weekend. And so I just walked around campus. I went to children's stuff. I went to student stuff. I walked into buildings with volunteers. I'm just showing up places. And my number one goal is how do I elevate our staff and our volunteers? Um, and what's amazing is when you just speak a little bit of life into people doing something that they're really good at, it's amazing how quickly you watch them turn. Um, I'll use our facilities guys. Like, I love our facilities guys, and they're young dudes. They are. Um, you know, we got guys 19 years old, 20 years old, um, and they do stuff nobody sees. No, I mean, nothing. Like, I mean, people see the results, but the only time people usually talk to our facilities guys is when they don't like something. Right. Or when something's out of place, right? Yes. Um, so I love like Sunday mornings being here at six thirty, walking around campus. I catch these dudes and I'm like, Hey, thank you. Nobody sees what you're doing, but I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's amazing how much that changes their countenance. Um, instead of expecting them to do their job, which we do. Um, but when you're valued for doing the job that you're doing, and then you throw that in deeper when you're valued for being the human being that you are, um, being the neighbor that you are, being the husband you are, the dad you are, um, you just start speaking life into people. It's amazing how quickly they shift. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of, we live in a culture right now where we're going to tell everybody why they suck at life. Um, well, how's that working for us? You know, um, speaking of sucking the life out of things, um, we have a segment on here called Coffee Time. And uh, you like that slam your head against the window transition I just did there? Um, but every single episode, we take a break, get your coffee. Um, and if you, if you drink bad coffee... Well, this segment's for you today because uh, my good friend, Saul, now known as Paul, <laughs> who's sitting in here with us right now, um, you drink bad coffee. <laughs> I mean, it's it's, it's co- not even just he drinks bad coffee. He doesn't, he's never had good coffee. But here's the thing. Like, I, I think that's an excuse. I like the way Dylan phrased it. Better. Yeah, but here's the problem <laughs> with what Dylan just did. That's like saying, like, there's a people group that haven't had scripture because they don't have it available to them. Bro, you have it available to you. Like, you, you don't live, like, in the sticks where they don't know what coffee is. Like, it's true. You've got some of the best coffee shops in the country in this city, and and you're drinking bad coffee. We won't even, like, 
That's a bad word. It's don't, like, don't say it's, what you want to say. It's like in Harry Potter. You just don't say the name. <laughs> yeah. You, you, yeah. We can't even. The coffee that shall not be named. Right. Right. Um, I was told I can't even mention it on this podcast. No. Well, we'll beep it out and it'll sound like a profanity. Um, <laughs> because for us it is. Yeah. 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 It, it really is. Um, so we're we're gonna we're gonna talk a little coffee. Um, Maybe you can sponge it, just like absorb it. Yeah, the, you need to absorb it. Like I, I feel like you should start absorbing good coffee into your life. I think uh, that's why I was brought here. Uh, that's I, you know what? It's not <laughs> it's not the preaching or discipleship. It's not the loving people. It's we're here to save your coffee soul. Um, that's Thank what you. it really is. Your sin shriveled coffee sick soul. <laughs> um, we we are here to help. That's so um, dark. <laughs> like a good dark roast. Um, I'm just trying to help Saul's soul out. Um, mm. So uh, we talk about kind of our favorite coffees, what we like, what we're into. You're getting ready to go to Portland. Yeah, um, next week. Which I'm a little bit jealous. So, um, so uh, this is coming out on Wednesday. I actually leave Friday night. So I'm bringing you back. A bag from Stumptown. Yes, he is. And I'm going to Roseline for myself. Yes, uh, your you're friend uh, that you mentioned last week yes. actually connected with me on Instagram. Sweet, I so, knew he would. So um, we're gonna, we're gonna. Greg Broadwater, this is a shout out to you. Take my boy to good stuff. And it, listen, I know where you work, and I know where you live. So I fully anticipate you'll send something back with Dylan for me. And yes, that's a shameless plug to get free coffee from my friend Greg. He lives in Portland. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I'm going to ask you, Dylan, what are you drinking today? Because we have this conversation every week. We know what Saul will drink this morning. He drank armpit juice. Um, <laughs> and so, Well, we uh, live in Arizona. Like, that's readily accessible. I, I mean, it's, it's really ready to go. Um, you, you know, he just happened to put some coffee smell on it. Um, <laughs> he just rubbed a coffee. I, he did. It's basically like a deodorant for his tongue. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> These one-liners are available for Twitter all day, every day. Just so you know, um, <laughs> we're gonna are, we're gonna put the make on Twitter, and we're yeah. just gonna tweet these one-liners. Yeah, these out. these are great <laughs> graphics to put out there. Um, so, what do you what do you drink this morning? Um, actually, our video director Aaron uh, gave me. We did that coffee swap that I talked oh, yeah. about, and I got some of his Presta, and he got some of my Mythical. And I haven't like I love Presta. This yeah. one just hasn't like it's hard. Like whenever you have something exceptional, and then you have something that's good yeah it's hard to to hold a light to the exceptional yeah and so i've been kind of struggling with this presto but um as we go deeper into this coffee conversation um hopefully we'll be able to educate and people will learn that there are different methods to right. get the, to get the optimal taste out of a certain right. coffee and so aaron actually texted me yesterday and he said that he tried the presto on his chemex which i love chemex i just haven't used it in a while yeah i so used mine this morning in my office i used it this morning and um, used James Hoffman's recipe. Um, I'll I'll link him his YouTube channel in in the notes this week. He's awesome at coffee. Anytime someone wants to learn more about coffee, I send them to him. Um, but this this Presta that I have and have had um, on the Chemex now with this recipe has actually been really really nice this morning. So if if you don't know any of the things that he just said, and so I'm assuming you don't. Um, I don't. This is kind of like your salsa process, um, <laughs> except for coffee. Okay. See, that's good because I don't know. Like, you could do an entire. You could take me to school on salsa. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. So, like, it, no, let's be honest. Norma could take you Norma. to school on salsa. <laughs> uh, let's just call a spade a spade. Like, I know who made that salsa, <laughs> and it was not Saul. Um, now, if I need somebody to make me a brisket. Ooh. some ribs actually Bruce who's on our staff made ribs last night was texting me oh, wow. photos and he was like 
Oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have sent you that. And I'm like, yeah, because I got a food porn problem. Like, I like to look at food, man. Like, I, I'm, I love food, man. Food's good. Uh, like, uh, like, how you gonna do that to a brother on a Sunday night, man? I'm weak on Sunday nights, man. Don't be sending me food. Um, but it, coffee is a process, you know. And there's lots of ways. There's like you've got multiple ways you can make a brisket, a steak, uh, a you know salsa. Um, the methods. I think that's what I love about coffee is there's so many nuances that you can do with coffee. Um, and I just kind of immersed myself into the roasting piece and then the, and then the, the dip, like you can take the same bean, put it through a different process and you get different grind to the different size, use a different temperature water. Yeah. The notes change the, um, the, it's just, it's a whole different cup, you know? And like this morning I did, um, I went back to the golden hour this morning in my Chemex because I hadn't had any of my coffee stuff with me for like three months. That's from James, right? It is. Yeah. It's from James Coffee. It's actually Pete McKinnon's. Um, if you follow Pete McKinnon on YouTube, we can put a, a link in the show notes to Pete if you don't know who that is. Um, but uh, he partnered with them and he's got this golden hour. And um, I just ran it through the Chemex this morning and it was really, really good. It just brought out, we did it the other day through the fellow um, pour over. Yep. Um, and then we did it. I did it through the Chemex. And it was completely different coffee this morning. It's crazy how it just changes. And I'll probably do it in like the Kalita tomorrow. And some of you are listening like, what are these words you're saying? Those are speaking words. a different language. I am. I'm basically speaking Spanish. Um, <laughs> do you understand? Uh, it's the Spanish of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's Portuguese. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you still don't understand. Got it. It's probably closer to Swahili. Uh, let's go. just be honest. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, I can't, uh, honestly, there's just, no matter what it is, I think everything in life, like coffee tells a story mm. as we're going back to just kind of the conversation. But Well, I love roasters that even put the story of the farms and the right. families on their packaging or at least on their website because like if it's, if it's ethically sourced, if it's good coffee, then there's usually like the roasters have actually gone there, sourced it, right. met the family. And sometimes you have these families who are like seventh, eighth generation, like coffee farmers. Right. And it's amazing. Yeah. And then to see their story hit redemptive, things, the redemptive qualities, like, uh, like all joking aside, there's a lot of redemptive qualities in the coffee industry um, because it slows you down. It puts you in a better process. Like um, Saul's coffee, which shall not be named on the podcast. um, You can have in 15, 30 seconds. Um, And it, you know, it's sad. It it is. It's sad because it's just quick and it doesn't go through a process and it doesn't get immersed and it doesn't like have all the, the notes that are able to come out. There's no notes. It's just, it tastes like coffee. Right. Well, well, no, it doesn't taste like coffee. (laughs) It it tastes like when you ask someone, they're like, Oh, it tastes like coffee. It tastes like the rear end of a coffee bean, (laughs) you know, which is not great. No. Um, but when you actually go through the process, you get the floral notes, like you're actually extracting what the bean was meant to give. Mm -hmm. Um, and so not to over spiritualize coffee, but I'm going to, um, it's very similar to what we're asking you to do in the lives of people is if you rush a relationship, a conversation, see, I can make an illustration out of anything. So I'm like, um, then, then you're not getting the best of that person because you're getting quick hits. But if you immerse yourself in their life, you immerse yourself in their story, you're going to bring out the best notes of their story to help them be a a more flavorful version of themselves for the world around. Well, and that's really like, it's again, the methods of making coffee. Like if I ask someone to tell them my story versus if you ask someone to tell them your story and we approach it in different ways because we are different people. Right. That's like using, you know, a Chemex or a Kalita or what, like, however you want to approach, like, it might, it might taste a little different that might, you might get a different part of that story. And you get different nuances of the story. Yeah. Every time. Um, 
I like that we just turned an entire coffee segment into a sermon illustration on how to <laughs> extract story from people. Um, but I, it, it's it's a real it's a real process that I think I love the process of coffee because it slows me down and it you learn something every time. Well, that was one thing that uh, years ago, whenever I was a creative pastor, um, one of my mentors. You came said to that me, like you're not a creative pastor right now. I'm um, a communications specialist, so right, but you're still creative. I am. Just, yeah, I am a creative. Let's just keep. That's for, that's for my sister-in-law. My sister-in-law hates whenever I call myself a creative. She's like, you are creative, but it sounds, it sounds pretentious when you say I am a creative. Well, I'd argue everyone's a creative. They just haven't tapped into it yet, but that's correct. That's a whole nother podcast. That's another episode. And we're still talking about coffee. (laughs) So anyway, one of my mentors came and had coffee with me and I made it for him in my office because I had a whole setup in my office. And uh, so I was making it and he's like, he, he liked the same bad word that Saul likes. Yeah. Um, the coffee that shall not be named. Right. Right. And uh, he's like, man, doesn't this get like tiresome? Like, aren't like this has to be mundane. I was like, actually, I enjoy it because it's a break. Yeah. Like, it's the same thing that we actually treat it as in this podcast. It's a, it's we originally called this the make break. Right. It's like it's a break from the conversation, and let's just talk about it's a palate cleanser. Yeah. And so if I'm staring at a screen designing content for two or three hours. Not only do I need caffeine after that, but it's like I can do something with my hands. I can manually make something right. with my hands and break away and just think about that process. And you don't have to. You don't have to think about that other thing. Mm-mm. You have to. You have to pay attention. Yep. You got to lock in. So it, it's like this morning. I came in with my Chemex. I I had to pay attention to the grind. I had to pay attention to the grams. I had to pay attention yep. to how much water I was putting in. Um, and I had to watch the timer and I had to watch the temperature. I can't be thinking about the 19 other things I got to do. I got to just stop for a minute. That's where I catch my collective breath. Yeah. You know, so you, you've not put any feedback into this conversation. yet. Um, <laughs> I don't have anything for this. <laughs> uh, nah, uh, Next time you're back, we expect you to <laughs> contribute because we're going to, we're going to set you up. Cause we're going to have salsa with Saul. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to record a whole separate intro for that episode. Uh, I, I want that to be fiery though. Like I, I want that to be big. Um, no, but I, I do think that there's, I think there's a reason that the coffee industry is capitalized and one, it's a bazillion dollar industry, right? I mean, on so many levels. Um, but I think they tapped into, they tapped into giving people a third place to actually sit and have story time together, like mm-hmm. just life. Um, and when you do that over a cup of good coffee, um, it actually enhances the experience. Yeah. Well, you're, you're sharing in something other than just each other's presence. Correct. Like you're, you're connecting over common ground. Yep. Uh, common ground. I see what you did there. He took a cheesy church coffee shop name. And uh, <laughs> yeah, on that, hey, that's coffee break. Uh, I, ru- I ruined it. Wait, I'm sorry. We're, we're officially done with that segment because <laughs> Dylan decided to talk about holy grounds and common ground. And sorry if your coffee shop's named holy grounds at your church. Um I don't know. I got nothing for you. I think it's cheesy. Um, so I guess you're not going to listen to us anymore. My bad. Um, so <laughs> as we, man, I'm just banging heads on windows everywhere right now with transitions. It's great. Um, these are like jump cuts in a video. Like it's like, wow, what, wow, just, what, what happened? What just happened there. Um, so after coffee break, we typically talk about a few things. Dylan, why don't you uh, lead us through the the next part of this. Yeah. So we've got a few things coming up. Uh, if you, if you attend Pantano, uh, online or in person, we've got a few things coming up. Yep. Um, baptism Sunday. Oh yeah. It's like, it's one of my favorite this Sundays. Weekend. Um, I know, and I'm bummed. I'm not even going to be here. Well, that's, um, that's not my problem. Um, <laughs> but like I say that to say you want to be here because yeah, you don't it's not just it. another Sunday. No yep. Sunday is another Sunday. Yeah. But baptism Sunday is when we all celebrate like 
people's life change together. Yeah, it's, it's special. It's it's fun. Like I, so, I'd, lo- I'd love to hear your perspective because you know we're 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 in a full integration of our bilingual service into Pantano as a whole. Like we, you've always been a part of Pantano, but we're really going to be intentional about man. It's it's us. Yes. It's not it's it's we. It's not us and them. It's we. Yes. Um. But on weekends like Baptism Sunday. Like, talk to me about the significance, because there's some cultural differences, there's, uh, it, you know, and a lot of things, but talk to me about the significance and what you love about Baptism Weekends, because I know why I love them. Yeah, I just love Baptism Weekends because, you know, it's an opportunity just for somebody just to come out and say, you know what, I want to follow Jesus. I mean, yeah. that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. And uh, there's no language about it. It's just, yeah. you go and you get, you know, it's a commitment that a person makes and you just go and make that step of obedience and yeah. just follow Christ. Well, what's cool to me is like, I, I've been around the globe and, and been a lot of different contexts. Um, no matter what country I'm in, whether it's India, it's Africa, it's Mexico, it's Dominican, um, there's a universal language in its salvation. Yes. And so when somebody steps from death to life, um, there's something beautiful that takes place. Yes. And uh, I, I can't wait for this weekend. It's, it's going to be, is it the 14th? Is that yeah. this weekend? August the 14th. Um, I hate to timestamp these because these live on the internet, but honestly, some of this stuff has to be, this has to live there. I mean, August 14th and we're not, you don't have to just be scheduled. If you can schedule them, that's great. It lets us know because there's actually a lot that goes in behind the scenes. Like I'll totally shout out Christine on our staff, Mm -hmm. like what she does to make that experience special for each and every human being that comes is unbelievable to me. And it doesn't matter if we have one or we have a hundred, everyone gets the same experience and it's, it's deeply invested in what she does. Like she's here at like six 30 in the morning. She's prepping stuff the day before the week of, um, and it just is a really special moment and we treat it as such. Yes. And, um, I would, I would agree with Dylan. Like you don't want to miss this weekend. It's, it's going to be a really, really good one. And we do baptisms every week. Like I, yeah. it's not relegated to a special weekend, but when we have these weekends of emphasis, it's just, it's a really special time as a church. Yes. Um, what else is coming up? Um, this Sunday too, we're also uh, going to kickstart our season of Rooted. Oh yeah. Kicks so off. So it's a big Sunday for us. Yeah. If you've, if you've not signed up for Rooted and you're hearing this before the weekend, I, I don't know if the window's closed, but. I don't, I think you still have that opportunity. Y- you can sign up before the weekend, but if you're not in week one, um, I would tell you wait till the next round because mm-hmm. you, you get it's a 10 week commitment, but I'm telling you it's worth every second of the commitment. If you make it, we all did it as a staff and it was, yeah. it was really cool. Well, and so you guys didn't revive. Yes. Um, talk, talk about the impact of rooted. Well, the impact of rooted is just when, you know, people actually join rooted and they go through the 10 weeks with you. You actually see people, you know, connected to God more. They're connected to their church and they're able to actually get connected to their calling. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of leaders just rise up within Revive, just willing to go out and actually start rooted groups and start life groups. And that's where it all started for us. Yeah. Well, and it, that's the impact of rooted. It, 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 if you go through the experience the way that it's intended to go through, and it's not just for the new believer. Like this is for, no. like I went through it and I've been a Christian since I was, uh, I feel like since I came out of the womb, but I gave my life to Jesus when I was eight or nine years old. And, um, it's the single-handed greatest experience I've walked through in my entire walk to, to move me to the next place. Mm. Um, and there's some people who be like, I didn't have that experience. I'm like, then I would say, then you didn't do it right. You didn't have the right experience. <laughs> um, because if you really go through it the way that it's intended to be, be done, it'll change your life. Yes. Um, and it's not because it's a program, it's an experience that leads you to be a better Christ follower. I think that's the best description of it all. It's an experience. Yeah. And if you see it as something other than an experience, you miss out. Yes. 
Well, and it's something that we talked about earlier in this episode too. A lot of, for me, rooted and especially my rooted group was us sharing our stories with each other. Yeah. And that involves you being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And so again, if you go into this experience and you're not willing to be truthful and be vulnerable, then I mean, I can't, I can't shame you for that, but that you're, that's why it's not as impactful for you. Yeah. If you're not willing to do the work and be vulnerable with these people who care about you, then that's, that may be why you're not getting what you want to get out of it. Yeah. Or, or if you're coming into someone that's been in the church your whole life and you just think, well, this seems really elementary. Mm-hmm. Um, then my question to you is, then why aren't you actually living the elementary things in your life every day? Mm-hmm. And if you think it's elementary, then um, lean into it because Jesus did not make this complicated. So if, oh, we've complicated this way more than oh, yeah. Jesus well, ever did. I get so tired of people who are like, oh, it's just a mile wide and an inch deep, right? They, t- they say that in church world. Um, and I'm like, well, maybe you're just not swimming. You yeah. know, I mean, at, that that's, at the end of the day, I think people would have said that about Jesus in real time because he was so simplistic with how easy it was to get to him. The Pharisees totally tried to mess that up. And it was for their own personal gain. Yeah. Um, which is really interesting. You can go from giving your life to Jesus on fire for Jesus, wanting everybody to know about Jesus, then you settle in. And all of a sudden you want everybody to give back to you. Mm. And I'm like, nowhere in scripture do I see that is what God has called us to. Yeah. If we're going to really make disciples, take the trans- transformation that God has done in your life and now go help others find that transformation. Yes. But somewhere along the way, we, like we morph back into like this selfish, whiny baby, you know, when we should be eating steak and potatoes or brisket and salsa, um, we're over here sucking on formula. And it's really weird when you're 40 years old sucking on a bottle. Yeah. You know, well, it just, yeah. you know, when you have that visual with it, it just sounds creepy, right? It's like, right. why are you still sucking on a bottle? If I saw you walking around the office with like a baby bottle in your mouth, I'd be like, bro, that's weird, man. What, Stop that. What if it had coffee in it, though? Okay, well, it depends on if it's a coffee that shall not be named or actual good coffee. Maybe that's maybe that's how we get him into coffee. We, we put it in a baby bottle. We put it in a baby bottle. We nurse him back we to health. We nurse him back to health. We 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 work. That's actually a great idea. <laughs> See, the greatest ideas come out of the weirdest illustrations. I thought we were past this segment. Well, we are, but hey, sometimes it's spiritual, and we got to bring it back to spiritual things. <laughs> what would Jesus do? He would have brought it back. Oh, he would have resurrected it. <laughs> what he does he's in the business of life you know yes. don't let the enemy speak bad coffee over you <laughs> i'm just saying you said on sunday these things are not of the good shepherd you've been shepherded poorly in your coffee experiences you have um i just haven't had a good shepherd in that experience well you got you got two shepherds right here that right. are um looking forward to it but if you if you revert back to your coffee that shall not be named i'm gonna the rod be, and the staff gonna, shall comfort you it will not comfort you i will beat you with that rod and that staff um, that'd be a great name for coffee rod and staff coffee it's here to comfort and protect you there's a coffee shop in costa mesa called lion and lamb so we could i like piggyback that on that yeah i like i like, I like the rod and the staff <laughs> that's good uh, <laughs> crooks and hooks you know whatever you want to call it i mean <laughs> That's right. I'm here for marketing genius all day long, everybody. Just uh, <laughs> tune in. Anything else coming up at Pantano we need to be talking about? Um, we are wrapping up Jesus Is in the next two weeks. We are. And so, then a brand new series starts that I yeah. am totally jacked about. Do you about. want to give a little bit of a Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're doing a series called Hope Dealers. And um, the tagline of that is dealing dime bags of hope. And um, some of y'all just were like, wait, that just triggered me back to some place. Um, actually, I hope it triggers you in the right direction of we, we as a people should be dealing hope, not stealing hope from the world around mm-hmm. us. And uh, we're, I really believe that series, and we, we've all been in the creative logistics meetings together. 
I really believe that's a DNA setting series for our church. Yes. Um, and, and at the end of the day, I think it's a DNA setting series for our, our community, for our culture, um, for Tucson. Um, what God is doing right now at Pantano is kind of mind boggling to me. Um, like yesterday at nine o'clock, there was, there was no seats left. There was no availability. Like it was, wow, there's a lot of people in here. And then our student ministry, Frank, our student pastor and Amy and David, our student ministry intern, who's way more than an intern. I don't even want to call him that. Um, they are just slaying it over there with our, with our students right now. And, um, kids ministry, like we had hundreds of kids with brand new kids showing up yesterday. Um, and it's not just a Sunday morning thing. Like it's, it's an all week thing. Everywhere I go mm-hmm. in the community right now, people are, people are doing what we're asking them to do. They're introduced. Hey, this is my one there. Uh, it's just, it's really cool to see. Um, they're, they're literally going from Sunday takers to everyday makers. Um, so anything else today we want to unpack? Uh, just on the Hope Dealers, I want to shout out my friend Tyler Crawford because yes. he is a new volunteer on our communications oh, team. And bro. he has been so much fun to collaborate with on the design. I don't want to give it away. Did you stop, collaborate, and listen? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering if Ice was back with a brand new invention. <laughs> yes. You know, did the brand new invention is this insane visual look oh, that we've got for the series. It, uh, like, can, I, can, I, can I just give a little yeah. like drop yeah. of that? If you've seen Sin City... Just go look up Sin City. I mean, I don't know. Don't Google that. Like Sin City graphics, something maybe. Um, but it's got that look and feel to it. It's very gritty and it's, grungy. Oh, yeah. It's really, really so cool. Tyler knocked it out of the park, and I wanted and to. He, and he did that, like, hand animation, right? He did. That's. I can't wait wow. to. I can't wait for our church to see it. Well, I can't wait for the world to see it, because more than our church is going to see it. Yeah. Um, so, very cool. Um, yeah, we will sell his services for a very, 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 <laughs> very steep price. Um <laughs> Or if you give us free coffee, we'll just give you whatever you want. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Anything is for sale for the price of coffee. Okay, so well, I'm going to ask you this before uh, we, we send everybody out today. Um, if you could, if there's one thing you could tell the world right now, and I know I'm putting you on the spot, but if there's one thing you could tell the world right now today, like this is, if nobody catches anything else, if Saul leaves this planet today and I can tell you one thing before I go, what would you tell him? Just the same thing that's been in my heart is uh, look for opportunities to lay down, to lift others up. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I don't think I can say it any better than that. Um, so I'm not going to try. Hit the outro. I'm going to hit the outro. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of The Make Podcast, where we're moving from Sunday takers to everyday makers. To learn more, head over to pantano.church slash the make. We can't wait to see you again next week.